When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, what is up, everybody? Welcome to take three of this live AMA. We are celebrating our 100th episode dropping today. Yay! We are super excited around here. Um, the episode is with Kai Fu Lee, and we wanted to do something a little bit special. Uh, one, to thank you guys for being such an extraordinary community that we've been able to serve you with this many episodes. I can't believe it. When you think about the fact that we only do 50 of these a year, the fact that we've done two years worth of episodes is really pretty extraordinary. I'm super excited about it. Cannot thank you guys enough, and cannot thank this team enough for killing it and putting together uh, what I think is a best-in-class show, and I'm honored to be a part of it. All right, first question. By the way, Chase is going to be going through the feed, so ask your questions. He's going to pull out the most impactful, the ones that hopefully will impact the most people. So here we go. First one up is from Sulinya Ramanan. As of late, or of late, I've been grappling with the ideas of work ethic, mental health, life satisfaction, and success. In particular, Gary Vee talks about never having taken a day off for 11 years. Suzanne Evans says that burnout is a myth, etc. On the other hand, Ariana Huffington and others talk about the need for self-care and how it enhances productivity. What is your take on all this advice? Do you personally schedule time off and do you think the amount of self-care a person needs is personally dependent? How do you stay motivated when you are so busy that your emotional needs are compromised? Okay, so... Uh, one, let's address the individual variability, which I think is absolutely massive. I think that all of us are wildly individual, and I would not have answered that question the same way three years ago before Lisa went through her massive microbiome disruption. And as it began to really learn about the microbiome and just how different it is from person to person and seeing the massive catastrophic impact of one food on Lisa where I could eat it with absolute impunity, I began to realize, whoa, there really is a lot more to individuality, even at that level, than we think about. And then when you think, if we're that radically different at the literal micro level, then when you accumulate all the differences, the way that we grew up, our genetic predispositions, all of that, then you get pretty massive big differences. Now, having said that, the one thing that I think is universal is we all have an extraordinary ability to adapt. So, and that really is my message, that you can become whatever you want, and there are limits to that for sure. I don't think that we're completely blank canvases. I just think that our ability to change is so extraordinary, it just makes all the sense in the world to focus on that rather than the areas where we're not going to be able to change. Um, so now, in terms of specifically self-care, I think that even somebody like Gary Vee, who is way committed and all in and just working crazy, crazy hours, um, I think it's important to understand that what he's doing is what he loves. So it's not like he's nose to grindstone doing things that are just absolutely painful and he doesn't enjoy them. And then to remember that on the weekends, and I don't know well enough exactly how much time, but he talks a lot about spending time with his kids um, and carving out that time for family. So, But I think the key thing to take away from Gary is that he loves what he does. And so he's filled up 
Um, it gives him more energy than it takes away. And that's definitely my punchline. So I'm a huge believer in work ethic. I'm a huge believer in really going ham after what you want, but it needs to be something that gives you more energy than it takes away. And there is nothing wrong with taking time for yourself. I think that people should take time for themselves. And quite frankly, I put self-care first. Now, a huge part of that is I love how much I work. I love the things that I do. They're very meaningful to me. And having impact and having um, meaning and purpose in my life is so critical to how it makes me feel that part of self-care is actually doing something that I really care about, doing the hard things. But having said that, I prioritize sleep. So let's get really functional now. I prioritize sleep. It is the first thing that I take care of. I make sure that my diet is on point. Um, I eat, I don't eat clean year round. I definitely have cheat meals and things like that, but they're pretty rare. They're far and few between. I'm very focused on maintaining my cellular health. That's a big deal for me. So I'm sleeping, I'm eating right, and I exercise and I meditate. And those are things that I do not every day, but wow, it's really close. So I work out Monday through Friday. I try not to take days off during the week. It definitely happens, but I try not to. I meditate probably minimum three times a week. I try to make it five, but there are definitely times where I cut it out intentionally given my schedule. I don't cut meditation out though if I'm going through a hard period and I really need to uh, decompress and get rid of the stress and anxiety. Um, And then I try, the last thing I try to cut out is working out and I never cut out eating uh, healthy. So I never stress eat, never. And that is a, a bright line in my life. So the times that I'm most stressed, I'm probably eating the cleanest because I just have a mental thing around that. So all of that is to say that I protect myself at a cellular level. I think that's really, really important because you have to be able to create ATP, which is the body's energy source. If you want to feel excited, everything starts with your health. And the one of the most important things underlying your health is energy levels. So that's something that I think a lot about. So that's how I would um, think about that stuff. I would prioritize self-care, but I would find something in your life that you love doing so much that you want to go all in and you want to work your ass off like that. But my thing is, if you're leaving it all out on the field, and you wanna take a random Tuesday off to go sit at the beach, then go sit at the beach, and you've gotta know yourself well enough. And I find that guilt completely left my life when I knew that I was playing every day to the fullest uh, of my abilities. So, there it is. Davinka Sena Virantne. That was clumsy, but close. From doing your 100th episode, from doing your 100th episode, which top five interviews resonated with you the most and why? Top five. This gets hard. Uh, okay, so five. David Goggins for Shwayze for Shwayze. That kid is just an unimaginable beast. Um, Rama was really amazing for me behind the scenes. He was the person that taught me more about the brain than anyone else. And the things that I've learned about the brain have had the biggest impact on my life. So that was absolutely uh, massive for me. Um, Jim Quick was amazing because I've gotten to know Jim very, very well off camera and just have absolute deep uh, admiration and love for that man. I think he's extraordinary. Um, Oh, God, there's been so many amazing ones. Um, Jay Shetty was extraordinary and also became a, a friendship and business relationship, which has been really, really amazing. Um, who have I learned a lot from? God, so many. Um, 
Well, we just had Kai-Fu Leon, and I will say that what he went through with being diagnosed with cancer and how that impacted his life um, was really breathtaking for somebody that works as hard as he works and has achieved the extraordinary... He's created $5 billion unicorn companies, meaning they were startups, five in AI alone, and I think that he's done a total of 15. I might be misquoting the 15, but five is for sure in AI alone, and I know he's done significantly more than that. So that's bananas. And so for somebody that's achieving at that level to then be diagnosed with cancer and the way that he responded to that was, was pretty extraordinary. Um, so I got a lot out of that. Um, yeah, and I could keep going, but those are a good five to start with. All right, Dinesh Venkatachar. Venkatachar. <laughs> Jesus, I'm having a horrible time with these names today. Dinesh, thank you so much for writing in. Uh, when did you start wearing glasses? So if you guys um, watch my episode on sleep, this is actually a health theory episode with Sean Stevenson. Um, he talks a lot about blue blockers and I've started to really worry about the amount of time that I spend on a computer and if it's disrupting my sleep uh, and also just the long-term effects of blue light on the eyes. We get so much in. So these are blue blockers. So um, technically I don't need them for reading, but I do now wear them quite a bit. Um, so I probably wear them three times a week-ish. Uh, so yeah, that's when and that's why. Uh, Jordan Legault. What advice would you give your 20-year-old self and go into detail why, please, much love? Okay, so the advice that I would give to myself at 20 years old is for the love of God, and of course it didn't exist at the time, much to my dismay, but now read mindset. So the big thing that I was struggling with when I was that age was I had a fixed mindset, and I cannot tell you just how much your mindset matters. So my big thing was I was building my self-esteem around being smart, being right, being good, being worthy, all things that were permanent states and very, very fragile. And as soon as I encountered somebody that was smarter than me, then I felt really badly about myself and I started to act in weird ways to try to soothe my ego. And in soothing my ego, I was actually moving myself backwards in terms of what I wanted to accomplish. And maybe more terrifyingly, I was moving myself backwards in terms of um, fulfillment because I wasn't doing the hard things, I was avoiding the hard things, and I was trying to um, make things easy on myself, I was trying to just feel good on the surface all the time about how smart I was, and I just routinely was meeting people smarter than me. And so that was knocking my confidence, it was knocking my self-esteem, and so that really cost me multiple years of my life. And I would say probably from the ages of um, 21 is about the time that I had the catastrophe at film school, which made me realize that I wasn't talented and that um, I wasn't nearly as smart as I thought I was. Um, and that crash, while it's become one of the most important um, lessons in my life and has really empowered me and is a huge part of the reason that um, I've gone on to be successful because I stopped worrying about being smart and started worrying about what's the right answer and really trying to learn. Um, so that was transformative. But at the time, it it cost me a lot and emotionally and I was sliding towards depression. Um, I've seen too many people that are for real depressed to cheapen that by saying that I was actually depressed but I was racing towards depression and I was sliding into some 
horrific habits. So if I had read the book Mindset, which differentiates between a fixed mindset, which is what I have, where you believe or had, where you believe that your talent and intelligence are fixed traits, there's nothing you can do about them, you can't improve them, and so life becomes about managing your ego around those things, versus a growth mindset, which is all about, hey, you may be a schmuck now, you may not be that bright today, but you can really become extraordinary tomorrow by putting in the work, by really looking at where you're weak so that you can address that, grow, and get better. And that, I had to cobble that together because the book didn't exist at the time. And in cobbling it together, everything in my life changed and I was really able to set myself on a path to learning at, um, at, a, at an increasingly rapid rate that had an increasingly big impact on my life. So that would be the advice and that was hopefully a terrifying level of detail as to why. All right, Thomas Anderson escapes. What is up, man? All right, congrats to the awesome Impact Theory team. How does the team feel about episode 100? How often do you calibrate to make sure everyone's selfish desires are kept aligned? I know you like to look for this in the interview process. So um, we have team lunch every week and we sit down and it's a great time for us to um, recalibrate in a fun way and that's always keeping things um, light, not focusing too much on work, but like today we just had our um, team meeting because, or team lunch because we wanted to um, celebrate on our 100th episode and we went around and said, who is your favorite guest? And we went around and said, who's the guest that you'd most like to see? So that's a great way for us to see, you know, take a temperature, make sure that we're pulling the kinds of guests that people um, here are excited about and hopefully that's an extension of what's going on um, elsewhere as well. And then every week we also have a team meeting where we talk business. We talk about what's going on. We talk about principles. So what's happening um, that we're, we're not happy with, that we want to make changes in, um, something that someone might be blind to, and we really air it all out in that meeting. And it's ultra public, and I think that that's really, really critical. And if, you've, if you guys haven't read Principles by Ray Dalio, um, if you're involved in leadership in a company, it should just be a must read. I think that that, is, that book is transformative. That book has impacted me more than any other business book ever. Um, it's not as important in general as mindset, but uh, if you're in a leadership position in business, I think it is absolutely fundamental. Um, so yeah, so that's communication is the really short answer. Making sure that people are being um, really candid. I was gonna say brutally honest, but not brutal honesty but absolute candor and transparency, saying the hard things, all of that is super critical to the health of the organization and um, we have multiple outlets for that every week. Um, Mo Regalado, who would be the interview you want to do but haven't been able to secure yet? We were just talking about that. So for me, there's a few people I'm absolutely desperate to interview. Um, I would really like to interview Will Smith. I think that that would not only be an extraordinary interview, it would be great for the company. I'd like to interview Jay-Z for the exact same reasons. I'd like to interview Jordan Peterson. I am just beyond obsessed uh, with his insights. I think that they're really, really incredible and it makes me sad that he's somehow controversial. In fact, I avoided him for like a year uh, because I thought that he was some crazy uh, person. And so finally I thought, man, people are just, Way too many people are saying that they want him on the show. I need to actually go watch something. Uh, and in watching it, I, I was really, really impressed. And I think that he's super cogent. Um, and the easiest way to explain why I dig him is when I listen to him, it doesn't give me a dark feeling, um, which I know is how people interpret him, but that's just not how it hits me. His notion of personal responsibility, of making your bed, of doing the hard things, of um, really accepting personal responsibility for your life. Uh, I, I just think it's extraordinary. I'd love uh, to get him on the show and, and uh, pick his brain. I think that would be a lot of fun. Um, and yeah, then we've got some, we're trying to get, there's a, 
the CEO of the Girl Scouts, trying to get her on. I think that'd be extraordinary. Sheryl Sandberg, I think would be extraordinary. Um, there's a lot of really cool women that we're trying to get on the show. Um, it is a big push for us right now. We just have not had enough women on the show, so that would be extraordinary. Mel Robbins is another person um, that has, her episode really impacted me. I thought she was extraordinary. All right, Nicole Medina, do you ever hit periods of lack of motivation? What are some tips to keep motivated when you hit a slump? Yes, I do. In fact, I just recently went through one and it was driving me nuts. I was like, why am I so low energy? And at first I thought that it was an exercise problem because I had been um, so busy that I was skipping the gym more than I like to. And so I was probably averaging about three days a week. I try not to be that low. And so I thought, oh, this is it, man. This is what happens. Like when you don't work out enough, your energy levels start to drop. So I started hitting it in the gym again, really hard. And then I was like, hmm, nothing has changed. So I thought, okay, well, that's not it. What is it? And as I was trying to think through the process of, is it my diet? Is there something I'm not eating? Uh, I always come back to diet and exercise. That is like always where I start. And I don't think people appreciate enough how the microbiome impacts neurotransmitters. Um, So I was thinking through that. Nope, nothing wrong with my diet. Uh, It was ultra clean and it just, nothing was impacting me. And then I realized I wasn't excited about anything. There was nothing um, on the creative side that we were doing that was really amping me up. We'd already finished the first episode of Neon Future. Neon Future crushed. And there was so much enthusiasm about getting it out. And then it fell into like the day-to-day grind of a monthly comic book, which is not fucking easy to do. Uh, and that gets into like that just really hardcore grind. It wasn't new anymore. And so I really had to like figure out a way to reconnect to the enthusiasm. And the great news is that I have all these processes that I run through so that I don't get stuck in periods like that. And remembering that excitement, love, all of those things are like a fire and you have to actively tend to them or it goes out. And so all of the deadlines, the end of the year pressure of making sure that we have everything in line um, for 2019, the size of the team has gotten bigger, so making sure that I have everybody's OKRs, all that was pulling me away from connecting with the things that I actually find just exciting on a day-to-day basis. And so I really had to stop and take the time to find that thing that amped me up, that got me excited, um, to be able to fan those flames, to you know fall in love with the process of what we have to do to get the comic books out, to take the time to really look at and appreciate the things that are working, you know, whether it's a, a page of pencils that are just extraordinary or colors or just some of the stuff that's happening off camera um, that I don't talk about because it's just too early stage. But um, to give you an idea, I got approached yesterday by a company that wants me to come on and um, they want to give me some equity in the company and they want me to basically consult for them and help them. And when I say that they are so aligned with what we're trying to build on the studio side, I was like, whoa, this could really be fucking cool. And to take the time to acknowledge those moments that you know we're putting out this content, that it resonates with people from you know people in high school, man. We have high school kids write and say that we're helping shape their thought patterns and what they're doing all the way to CEO of these multinational conglomerates that happen to line up exactly with what we're doing. And in the meeting, in the business meeting, um, he was like, dude, you're improving my marriage. 
And I was like, this is so fucking cool. Like we live in this crazy extraordinary time. So the way that I got out of that lack of excitement is just taking the time to reconnect to those things, to understand that love, excitement, all of that stuff is a process that you have to take the time to say to yourself and to say out loud these things are exciting. What I'm doing right now and recanting these things, reminding myself how exciting these are, taking the time to walk the team through it, tell them about the opportunities so that they understand um, what's going on and that it, I'm saying it and I'm being enthusiastic about it and that's reinforcing. And so that was how I got back out of that. Um, so I highly encourage people to remember everything in your life is a process. So waiting for love to slap you in the face or waiting for excitement to slap you in the face or thinking that passion is something that's buried within you and you just have to excavate it and then, hey, there it is. It doesn't work like that. All of this stuff has to be built. It's architected. It's not archaeological digs. So making sure that you remember that, that you go through the process, that you take the time to focus on this stuff, to build it, to get enthusiastic, um, that ultimately is the answer. All right. Ryan... Man, are you like fucking with me? You going through and pulling like the hardest names. Where's Timmy Smith? Ah, okay. Ryan Brusuelis. Ryan Brusuelis. That I think that's pretty close. How do you balance gratitude with the hunger for needing more? All right, this is a really fascinating thing to me. So I don't know how much I've earned my ambition. So when I was young, I just always wanted big things. So that one has come easily to me. Now, I think the ambition is also a process, but, but I don't know that you need to feed your ambition. I don't know that people need to be ambitious. I think people need for sanity, for joy is fulfillment. I think that people need, but I don't know that you need to be ambitious. So Ray Dalio said it in his book, and I thought it was an extraordinary way to sum it up. And he said, and I agree with the sentiment completely, I don't know that my life is better in all of its you know, pursuit and hard work and hustle than somebody who just wanted to live a quiet, stress-free life. I just know it's the only way I could have done it. And I thought, whoa, that is exactly how I feel. I don't I'm not preaching go hard, go ham, go hustle for everyone. I'm just saying, if you are ambitious, let me tell you how you can play that out in a way that's gonna fulfill you and make you love your life. But if you want a stress-free, quiet life, I'm just not the right man to take cues from because that's not what I want. That's not where I derive fulfillment. For me, there is an element of doing the hard things. Like That's what makes life extraordinary is to have this crazy, ambitious goal that you're excited about and that when you think about the skill set that you would have to build in order to obtain that, that that's exciting for you. It's meaningful. The Doing the work of getting that skill set, even if you never achieve the end goal, like that journey is meaningful to you and it gives you a sense of purpose. So for instance, why do I work this hard? Okay, so Lisa and I have this extraordinary success at Quest. We make just an ungodly amount of money and we could have literally bought an island and retired and just said, fuck it, like this is it. This is what we do. We chill, um, we watch movies, we play in the surf and you know, that's our lives. And that, that holds no interest to me whatsoever because the thing that I'm driven by is knowing Humans are the ultimate adaptation machine. We have all this possibility, all this potential. Okay, that potential for me is very exciting. That, that lights something in me. And so what I want to do, I have the hunger to find out how I can 
turn that into actual skills and actual accomplishment. Okay, now the thing that's driving me in that, the thing that gave that hunger meaning and purpose, which is super critical, was knowing I could build a set of skills that could help people at a global scale get a growth mindset and then transform their life the way that I transform mine. Now that's exciting to me. When I think about the people, the actual people that I can touch. So when I'm tired, when I'm bone tired, and I've said this before in um, my comments, when I'm bone tired, the thing that keeps me going, there are a few moments in my life that I return to. One of them was Rashawn, and if you guys have heard me talk about him, when I was too young and stupid to, to really be um, truly useful in his life, I big brothered for him. And I met him when he was eight years old, and I big brothered for him until he was 16 and a half. And he had a very tumultuous life. He grew up in the inner cities, very hard, adopted, single mom. And as it turned out, much to my dismay because I did not realize it was happening, he was being abused by his adoptive mother. And so I ended up becoming his guardian for a brief period of time to um, get him into foster care. I mean, it was just crazy. And that touched me deeply. Now, I was too young and stupid. I I didn't have a growth mindset at the time, so I couldn't really um, help him in the way that now looking back, I wish I could have. But that really touched me in terms of he was such a cool, extraordinary little kid and where he grew up had a terrifying impact on his life and that bothered me. And so that made me realize where you grow up um, has a huge impact on your life. Um, And so uh, another one is some of the people at Quest that I met, again, extraordinary humans, but growing up in the inner cities because that's where you manufacture, um, they just were never gonna do anything with their life because they didn't believe in themselves. And I thought, whoa, like if we could give them belief, which of course was the impetus for impact theory, um, so that's big. And there are very specific people at that company that I think of, one of whom I would like to turn into a comic book and hopefully introduce you guys to one day. I just think he's just an unbelievably amazing person. Um, And then a third one, a guy I don't even know his name, stopped me in the hall in Vegas. Now it's easy to imagine you guys as like, 28 years old and you've sort of hit that first trough of despair in your life and you want to you know do something with your life and and figure things out and and i get that because i've lived through that but this guy was 51 or 52 and he grabs me in the hall in vegas and he starts crying and he was like this last year has been insane i was going through a divorce my company was crumbling and your content is what got me through and i just thought whoa like i'm really affecting people that I didn't imagine. And that arrested me. And in those moments when I'm just fatigued beyond all reason and measure, that keeps me hungry for more because I wanna touch more lives. I want that feeling again. I want that feeling of like I matter, I'm doing something that is impacting the lives of others. And it's this old Greek concept called techni, This drives me at all times. And that is that you're working your ass off to build a set of skills that mean something to you. They don't need to mean something to anybody else, but they mean something to you. And the reason they mean something to you is they're going to allow you to serve not only yourself, which I think is huge. And look, I'm motivated selfishly. I wanna do rad shit for me, for my family, for those that I love and that are close to me. But I want to create that ability to do that amazing stuff by serving other people and delivering value to their lives. And I just really grab on to those people. And because I'm obsessed with scale, um, that's what keeps me pushing for more. I just want to help more people because I want to get that feeling. Um, And that's something that I want for everybody. I want you guys to to find that thing, not find. You're going to find an interest, but you're going to develop 
that thing that lets you feel like that, that you matter, that you're able to help. Um, I just think it's nothing can touch that and I'll shorthand it to fulfillment. It, it's just fulfillment is the name of the game. Um, you combine that with my belief that we're these potential machines and you get why I'm just always pushing. I want to develop myself and I want to help more people. That's why the company's called Impact Theory, by the way. I wonder how much Impact Theory has just become a name for people and they don't really think about it. So this company is quite literally my theory on how to generate impact. And the theory is very simple. Make media that touches people on a mass scale, both directly and emotionally. So directly, we'll call what I'm doing right now the direct-to-camera stuff where it's just all logic. I'm just telling you how to do it, how to think, um, ways, tools, tactics, all that to get your life where you want it. And then on the other side, there is appealing to people on a deep limbic level. So it's all emotion. It's all storytelling. It's narrative. And that's why we're telling these stories that is my theory on how to create impact. That by doing those two things, you can change the way that people think generationally. Um, and so, yeah, it's a big, hairy, audacious goal, as they call them. Um, but I actually believe it. I actually think it's going to work. And originally, we were going to call ourselves Impact Machine. And I thought we hadn't earned that yet. And uh, maybe one day we will change our name to Impact Machine because we're having that kind of impact. But for now, it's impact theory. That was before your time, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah so we were almost impact machine. Uh, so, but yeah, we, I think, wisely stuck with impact theory. It's a little more uh, humble, which is probably a good place to be. All right, Nathaniel Drew. I love impact theory. Thank you, Nathaniel. Especially health theory. Big shout out to health theory. Uh, thank you and your team for all the work you do to make this happen. What made you decide to do the show in the first place and how did you keep it consistent? Okay, so everything started back at Quest. It was originally a show called Inside Quest and what I wanted to do was um, help my employees. Like I said, they'd grown up in the inner cities. Many of them grew up unimaginably hard and I wanted to give them the gift of mindset so that they could then develop themselves in any direction that they wanted. And so um, I started this thing called Quest University and it was very informal, but I wanted to help people really develop mastery over the mind, over themselves. And so originally I was bringing in like neuroscientists and people that could really talk to mindset, the brain, neurochemistry, so that people could really um, do the things that they needed to do to their minds in order to get what I call escape velocity. So that you're developing this mindset that's going to allow you to pursue enough skills that you can then escape whatever circumstance you were born into and do extraordinary things. And I became obsessed with that and creating the show that would help me articulate my thoughts on the subject to bring other people in that could talk about it so people were hearing it from all these different angles and all these different um, ways of talking. You know, I mean, it's, you can, I feel like we've had 100 episodes of people essentially saying the same thing, but from 100 different viewpoints. And so hopefully one person may not hit you, but the next person does. And so that was the driver. And then on top of that, I learned from these people and doing the research, I find that um, you guys, I hope you know this about me because I've talked so much about this but I'm always shocked at you know if we have what over 2 million people in our ecosystem at any one time I'm probably only reaching you know 50,000 so it's like bear with me if you're one of the 50,000 that's heard me talk about this but I'm haunted by this quote that genius is a young man's game and what they meant was Normally what happens is people's thinking calcifies because the problem is you get good at something and then you think, well, this, is, this works. And so you think of yourself as a master and then you're not staying nimble intellectually anymore. And so all of your thoughts, they really get brittle and they calcify into dogma. Um, and there was another quote, I forget who this is by, uh, a famous physicist, if I remember right, 
And he said that it's not like the, the way that ideas change is that a new idea comes and people are convinced. He said the way that ideas change is that the old guard dies and new people accept it as self-evident. And I just thought, God, like, is that really the only way that we can renew ourselves? So for me, it is about that sense of wanting to renew myself and not wanting my own thinking to calcify into dogma. So I'm constantly seeking out disconfirming evidence, people that know something that I don't, people that can teach me, people that can shake up my worldview. And I just really want to be vital into my 70s, 80s, 90s. And then if I live forever, if I live forever, and this is one of those things, like if we were all sitting around late at night on a Friday one time, we were really getting into some shit that I want to talk about, like the sense of what if we really did live forever and how do you keep renewal? Because I think that death is awesome for weeding out stale ideas. I hate that that's true, but that's some real shit. And so because I actually do want to live forever, um, I really try to stay cognizant of not hiding from death and that my desire to live forever is, is not predicated on a fear of dying or not wanting to look at that, what that really means, um, but that it's understanding the need for renewal and that to, if it really comes to pass that humans do become functionally immortal, that we're cognizant of the need to constantly um, renew things. Um, so I do think about that a lot. How do I keep it consistent? I keep it consistent by thinking about you. I think about the person watching the show and I want them to walk away with something that they can use. So I never wanted the show to just be entertainment. I wanted people to be able to pull something out of it to immediately change their way of thinking, to go out in the world and act differently. And that's why when people ask me about my favorite episodes, one of the ones that I always talk about is David Goggins because in researching him, it really, really changed me. And it really made me redefine what human beings are capable of. Um, so that, uh, that's big. So in thinking about you guys and thinking about that, um, that's how I keep it consistent because there are just only so many things that are usable for you. All right, I'm gonna do one more. I'm being told to end this, uh, but I'll do one more, make it a little bit faster. William Rosenberg, what do you see as your biggest bottlenecks or limits to growth both now and in the future? So I can't speak to the future, but I will tell you my problem right now. So here's another quote. Uh, not so much a quote, but an idea that I am just haunted by. Uh, and I encourage you guys to be equally haunted by things. Uh, when you hear something and you know that you're just not being true to that, um, to let it stick with you. Don't brush it off. Really turn and face it. Both Warren Buffett and Bill Gates were asked a question independently, and they gave the same answer. And the question was, what do you attribute your success to? And they both said, focus. And that is something that I have not hit my stride yet as a CEO is I let myself get pulled in too many directions. I am just atrocious at saying no. Um, and so, in fact, as a part of my new desire to say no to shit, I'm just going to uh, apologize right now. If you reach out and you, in all your beauty, want something, whether it's me to come on a podcast or something like that, and I end up having to say no, forgive me. It is just that it doesn't align with what I'm trying to do. It doesn't mean that you're not extraordinary and that I'm not honored. That's the thing. I'm so honored when people ask uh, that I want to just say yes to everything and it's now creating problems. Uh, and that goes to my team as well. So I'm now having to really carve out space to think and just get shit done. Um, so right now, the thing that is holding me back is focus. And when you ask me that question again on episode 200, I assure you it will be a different answer because I will have solved that problem. All right, guys, 
I love this community more than I can tell you. I love serving you. I love this crazy thing that we're building together. It really is unbelievable. I'm so grateful to each and every one of you. The comments that you leave at, on YouTube, Instagram, those two more than anywhere else have just been unbelievable. Which, by the way, if you're here on Facebook, um, I encourage you to follow me on Instagram. Uh, that's the place I'm most responsive to comments. Um, that would be amazing. Join me there. Guys, thank you so much. This is beautiful. This, yeah, this is absolutely crazy. Thank you for giving us the ability to create 100 of these episodes and raise a glass to 100 more. All right, guys, if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe. And until next time, my friends, be legendary. Take care. Everybody, thank you so much for listening. And if this content is delivering value to you, please go to iTunes, go to Stitcher, rate and review us. That helps us build this community. And that is what we are all about right now, building this community as big as we can to help as many people as we can deliver as much value as possible. And you guys rating and reviewing really helps with that. All right, guys, thank you again so much. And until next time, my friends, be legendary. Take care.